not just a belief of mine. It's a real knowing. Knowing that we can take what we love to do, whether it's baking, sewing, painting, whatever lights you up, then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do. As author of What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60, discovering your core and also your gift is your niche, it has been my life's work to help others, just like you and me, to discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week I will have deep, rich conversations with real life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast, When Passion Meets Profit. Well, hello, everybody. Hey, before I give you my guest today, because I do want her to know you and you to know her, she is one of my favorite people on this planet. But I think all of you who are taking the time to ask me questions, I'm just so happy for you because I now know you're taking your passion seriously. So this question today came from Cynthia, and it's, it's a question I get asked a lot. Cynthia said, Patricia, my passion is that I am a hairdresser, but my hands are killing me. My feet are killing me. I just know I'm not going to be able to do this forever. And so I said to her, you know what, Cynthia, all you really have to do is start thinking out of the box, because I want to give you three examples that I gave Cynthia. One was I talked to Rochelle, a hairdresser here where I am, and she had the same problem. And all of a sudden now her coaching hairdressers is a bigger business than her hairdressing business was. There you go. The second example was a girl that in Scottsdale that did my hair all the time. And she was beside herself about, what am I going to do? I can't keep doing this. And guess what? She melded her two loves and her two passions. She loved horses and she loved hairdresses, hairdressing. So now she does the mane on a horse for the horse shows and makes 25000 a head. That's not bad. So she turned it around. And Cynthia, you can too. And my last example, I don't know this girl, but her name is Allie Webb. And Allie Webb founded all the dry bars all over the place. She has 150 of them now. And the way that happened, she was a hairdresser for 15 years, stayed home to have babies, bored out of her mind, started looking around at everything she could possibly think to do and started asking her friends, can I come blow your hair? Can I just come blow dry your hair? Well, her friends just loved it. Pretty soon she's so busy she couldn't even keep up with it. And that's where the dry bar came in. And now it's a multi-multi-million company, of course. So there you go. So now I get the pleasure of introducing my guest today. And I want to welcome Cindy Fassler from California. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you, Patricia. We're going to have a lively conversation today because I always do when I talk to Cindy. But you know, I don't introduce my guests on purpose because I love hearing them tell me their stories and you hearing them also for the first time. So let's start with my normal question that you all know. Cindy Fassler, what were you like as a little girl and where were you born and raised? 
Well, I was born in Seattle, Washington, and we moved to San Francisco when I was seven months old. So I consider myself a San Francisco native since Mm -hmm. I've been here since I was seven months old. I am an only child. I would describe myself in one word as inquisitive. If I was told no, in my mind, that meant, hmm, let me try it. And a little additional information, I am a visually impaired individual. So my mother was, I would say, overprotective if there were things that she didn't think I should do or felt that I was capable of doing. She go, no, you can't do that. And one story that comes to my mind is my ninth grade class was going on a ski trip and I brought all the information home and said, hey, mom, I want to go up or go on this ski trip. She goes, no, you can't do that. I'm like, hmm, watch me. So um, I'm not proud of this, but I forged an acceptance letter to my teacher so that I could be with the rest of my classmates and so I could go skiing. And I had the absolute best time of my life. (laughs) And when I came home and my mom worked, you know, she thought I was going someplace else with the, the class over the weekend. And I came back with all this snow gear that I had borrowed from other people. And she obviously understood that I did not follow her narrative not to go on the ski trip once she saw all the uh, ski clothes that I had borrowed. But I would say inquisitive, and I put, I sort of am that way at my age right now. I, I always want to know how things work and how I can do it. And if you tell me no, I'll be like, hmm. Watch me. I can attest for that. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned that you were visually impaired, Cindy, and I, I really would love to have you share the story that happened because Cindy happened to be at one of the conferences that I was doing, and she came over from San Francisco to Scottsdale for the conference. And Cindy, it's such a touching story that I, I'd like you to share that. I, I wish I would have told you I was going to ask you that. Gosh, I've always. I don't want to say hidden, but I guess that is the appropriate word. I didn't share my visual impairment with others. And sadly enough, especially in the staffing industry, I've had a staffing agency for two decades because there's so much competition. So I really never shared that I am visually impaired and I would fake it to the best of my ability or surround myself with people that did know me and that could help me out. And when I went to Patricia's conference in Arizona, we were getting up and sharing something personal. And I don't know where I got the courage, but I shared, well, I have an eye problem. I'm visually impaired. And the group started to giggle. And I was like, there was a few women that started to giggle. And what I didn't realize is they were giggling at more what the situation was that I was sharing versus that I have a visually a visual impairment. And it just, it shot me down. I was, <laughs> you remember Patricia. I was oh, yeah. Like, 
I was horrified. Mm -hmm. But then I got the courage to get up and say, what are you laughing at? Mm -hmm. And kind of took it from there to, you know, say this was a really hard thing for me to say and to share. And it also made the several women understand that what, even though they weren't laughing at my visual, visual impairment, that that laughter was really uncalled for. Mm-hmm. Somebody really sharing something very, very difficult for them. Yeah, you, you really handled that so well. And what I loved was the fighting spirit of that. Instead of running out of the room or starting to cry or, you know, becoming emotional about something that big for you. And you stood up and said, why are you laughing? And embarrass them, which they should have been embarrassed about it because, and they did, they admitted we were not laughing at that. Oh, Cindy, we would never do that. But at the same time, to have that happen to a person that finally confesses and comes out and says what it is that's really happening, that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It was, but you know what? Those hurdles have made me um, strong and have helped me throughout my career. Just like right now, as I'm coaching my candidates, my motto for my candidates is be big, bold, and brave. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was in that instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were. That's exact. Those are good words for you. Well, Cindy, I love this next part because this is your story and it's unique to you. So tell us your career journey, how it started, how, where you are today. I was working for, this was in my um, early 20s. I was, this was my second, you know, kind of real job besides retail. I was working for a credit union and I was trying to learn how to be a junior loan officer. And the director of the credit union was an extremely insensitive man. And at least once a week, he would put business cards on my desk for eye doctors or glass places, rather than asking me if I had something you know, wrong with my eyes, because I looked close. And the eye condition that I have is um, a juvenile macular degeneration. So there are no glasses truly other than you know wearing something that looks like a telescope to help me see like a normal person that can wear glasses. So I had just had it one day and I he put one of those business cards on my desk and I marched into his office. Here I go being big, bold, and brave. Marched into his office and said, I just want to tell you, you know, I am visually impaired. You are insensitive. You are the worst manager I have ever had. Rather than coming to me as one of your employees that all of the credit union loves because I'm so outgoing and friendly and have great customer service, you chastise me and belittle me. And I quit. And I packed my, packed my bags, packed my personal stuff and left. And I went home to talk to my parents and, you know, just said, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with my career, but I can't, I can't be around people that are so insensitive. And so I, I quit and I'm not going back. And that was just so against my parents. I mean, you're not a quitter, you know, you go back in and you tough it out. And I'm like, no, you guys tough it out. I'm not doing that. So I went to a staffing agency about a month later after I licked my wounds and wanted to register for a position as a junior 
loan officer that was posted in the newspaper. We're talking way back when. And so I went in and interviewed and the counselor at that time said, oh God, you you really have some great experience. You have really good customer service. I want you to talk to my manager. So her manager came out and we had a really good conversation. The next thing I know, they're saying, well, we'd like you to work here. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to go for an interview for this junior loan officer job. <laughs> no, no. We, we don't think that would be a good job for you. We'd like you to be part of our team. After arguing with them for a little bit and realizing that they weren't going to send me on the job that I wanted, I showed up Monday to learn how to be a counselor at that time. They weren't called recruiters. And I loved the business. I, I took to it like a duck to water. I learned every desk from the reception desk to the temp desk to the direct placement desk to outside sales. And I'd been there about two, two and a half years and came in one morning and the agency was closed. And I was devastated. Apparently, they had some financial problems and blah, 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 blah. So once again, you know, I'm like, God, I really love what I'm doing. So I went to my father and I asked, I, I told him, you know, you know how much I love this job, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to open up my own agency. And would you lend me the money? And he's like, sure, but where's your business plan? I'm like, business plan? I'm your daughter. Lend me the money. I mean, I, you know, what do you want from me? Like, I've been doing this for two and a half years. He said, no, any business person needs a business plan. Well, this was before the internet. So I had to go to the library and I had to look up business plans and put a business plan together and presented it to my parents. They did lend me the seed money to start my first agency. And I paid them back in three years. And two decades later, I was running a nine-person staffing firm from temp all the way to executive search. I'm really loving this conversation, aren't you? But I want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper. We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now. But inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses. But what they don't teach is really the most important thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career, and also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families? Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step -step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called Your Gift is Your Niche, because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E. And in this very affordable, life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills. You know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I, I, don't even, I don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60. That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. 
I'm also glad I made it into a, what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life. That's you. So go to yourgiftisyourniche.com, N-I-C-H-E, and if this page speaks to you, then seriously, invest in you. It's time to claim your destiny. Now let's get back to the conversation. You know, I love that story, Cindy, and I, it just shows your personality so much and your tenacity so much. But why do you think you loved that staffing? You know, like you learned all the desks and you loved everything about why? What did it have for you? I love connecting people. Even as a little girl, I would always oh. match my friends to, oh, you need to talk to Patricia. She's so much fun. She plays Barbie, you know, whatever. Whatever mm-hmm. it was, I was the person in the middle bringing people together. And basically, a good recruiter, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They hear what their clients' mm-hmm. needs are. They listen to their candidates' needs, and they match them. Mm-hmm. And the matching piece has always been my passion. In my industry, I was known as, oh, give it to Cindy. She'll find you the purple squirrel. Because the harder the search was and the more I had to dig and dig, the more exciting it was for me. Oh, wow. Um, you know, Cindy, did you ever think, because I remember thinking this myself one time and it didn't work for me because I thought if I'm really good at matching people with employers and with with a job, then I must be really good at matching people to love each other and they could get married someday. (laughs) Did you ever think that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why I did because I certainly was not successful at it. Absolutely not. That that does not float my boat. But (laughs) if you're having a problem finding a job and you want a coach that will, you know, help you with your strategy, be your cheerleader. Yes, that has always been in the forefront. The coaching piece has always been a passion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, one of the things, Cindy, that we called this podcast actually is really how to create and design a lifestyle business. So is that what you're doing today? Are you creating your lifestyle business? Yes. When I had to, for personal reasons in 2019, close my executive search staffing firm, I had to take some time off and kind of decide what I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't want to hang up my tap dancing shoes just yet. I, I knew I still have a lot to offer, but I, I needed to step away and really kind of figure out what my passion was. And then COVID happened and I started getting these phone calls and emails from candidates that I had placed in former jobs. Cindy, I've just been furloughed. Cindy, my hours have been cut. Cindy, I'm working from home. I've never worked from home before. Help me. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, the universe is talking to me. Mm -hmm. This speaks to me. This is what I'm supposed to be when I grow up. And I can, and my heart of hearts, Patricia, I don't feel like I'm working when I'm coaching one of my clients. I really feel that's my calling. And I can tell you just recently, my, my 
my kind of my nemesis coaching person. This was a very unusual industry that this gentleman was in. And we had to extend our coaching program because we we just weren't getting anywhere just due to COVID and the type of job he was looking for. Last Monday, he got a job offer. So every single client that I have coached has landed a job, even even in COVID. Oh, that's just awesome. What a wonderful thing that is, Cindy. And what a gift you have to to know how to do that, know how to pull out of somebody what it is that they want to do and then find that for them. That's the thing that I think is amazing with you. When you when you were coaching before, did you just kind of coach for free when you had your own agency? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, yeah. I should have monetized it a long time ago. But an exceptional recruiter that's what they do. Yeah. They, they role play with questions that they think that the company is going to ask. And you get your candidate, you know, really confident and the answers roll off their tongue. And I'm in a unique position because I'm on both sides of the fence. So I know the client really well. I generally have been into the office and know the manager that's doing the hiring. So I know, okay, you're going to downplay your personality. You're going to overwhelm this person. So talk a little softer, be more concise. So any tidbit of information that at that point I could give my candidate to help them get the job is what I would do. Yeah, that's just wonderful. You know, Cindy, I'd love to have you share with us, me included, what your lifestyle was like in your brick and mortar business, your staffing agency, and then what is it like now? I would be up at five o'clock in the morning and get on public transportation. I would be on our BART system at 6.20 in the morning, Mm. get into San Francisco, go grab my cup of coffee, be up at my office no later than 7.35 because I always like to be the first person in the office and just have a little peace and quiet before everybody came in. And from that moment, when I walked through the door, all my baggage, anything personal or anything else that was going on was left at the door and I was 100% present. I was there for everybody. And I worked a desk. I not only managed my team, but my favorite part was working the desk. (laughs) And I would probably leave the office anywhere between, hmm, I'd say 6.30 was probably an average time. Come home, you know, public transportation, change my clothes, walk the dog, cook dinner, and then I'd be back on the computer looking for candidates for any searches that I had or emailing people or just doing research, and then I would start all over again the next day. And I did that for 20-some-odd years. Wow. And today, I get up at 7, and or 6, I get, I'm up about 6.30, actually, and shower and everything, and I'm still at my desk early. I'm at my desk between 7.30 and 8, but I walk from my bedroom to my coffee pot, from my coffee pot into my office and close my door and get to work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you, Cindy, you are, you created something the same as me and it's not 
a desirable business model any longer for either of us, where you have to do all of this traveling and commuting and you get to the office and you run the show and you babysit all these people and attaboy, you're doing a great job. And it just doesn't serve us anymore. It, it isn't what either of us wants. So both Cindy and I have chosen home-based businesses and both Cindy and I have chosen to really design your lifestyle. But what I Cindy said to me one day, do you know, I might just work three days a week if I want to. That was unheard of when we were growing up. You couldn't even imagine doing that. So I, I love that. And I'm, I'm glad you're giving people just a view that, yes, you can design your own lifestyle business. I promise you that. So, Cindy, one of the things that I love to do, especially with this audience that has given us their precious time today, I love giving tangible tools to them, tools that they can walk away with today and say, okay, I can do that now. I'll go on LinkedIn and I'll do that or whatever it is that's the tangible tool. So could you share one or or maybe you have more than one? I have a tangible, but I have two that are, are not actually, you know, where you can't touch them. I think one of the most important things, and no matter what industry you're in, is to listen. And I call it listening between the words. What is somebody really saying to me? And so I'm a, when, when I'm talking, my computer's shut down, you know, the, the beeping's off, my cell phone is, uh, you know, in a buzz mode, because I am present. That's the first thing. The second thing is to know when to ask for help. I think as entrepreneurs, we always think we know it all and we might be showing a side of us that's more vulnerable by saying, Patricia, could you help me? I think that is extremely instrumental. Mm -hmm. And then a tangible tool that I've used throughout my whole career since they've been around is LinkedIn. When I was an executive recruiter, I signed up for, you know, LinkedIn recruiter and I would craft personal, you know, introduction emails. So I would get the candidates that I need. And now I'm posting on LinkedIn. I'm an information source. I have a group on LinkedIn called Get Hired. I post open jobs if I have them. I post tidbits and tricks of, you know, that what's going on in the marketplace right now. Social media, I'm not a, like everyone said, oh, Cindy, you really should uh, do a Facebook challenge. I don't want to sit in front of my computer all day and respond to Facebook questions for mm -hmm. a challenge. I want introductions. I want to talk to somebody. I want to get to know you. I want you to be in my little network of whatever, whether you're um, a recent graduate or you're one of my specialties in my coaching business is women over 40 because I've experienced unconscious bias. Before I decided that I was going to develop my coaching business, I went and interviewed with some of my organizations that I recruited for. And I cannot begin to tell you the experience that I had, which was not positive pertaining to unconscious bias with ageism. It's out there and it is not pretty. Hmm. You know, that surprises me and I'm glad we should probably do a show just on that because 
Ugh. I hate I hate it when you're telling me this. And now you're working with people 40 and over. What's going to happen when we're 80? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to listen to us. Yes. And 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 the listening. I mean, you can be the, the greatest, you know, coach or the greatest president of a company, but if somebody isn't listening and following your lead and they're still going to do things the way they wanted to do them then they're wasting their time and money. Mm-hmm. You really have to be open and hear and say, you know what, I'm going to try that for two weeks. If it doesn't work, then you know I'm going to go off and do my own thing. But give the knowledge that somebody else has a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, Cindy, I didn't tell you this, but at the end of every podcast, I try to keep the podcast 25 to 30, and we're doing a great job with that. And then at the very end, I share the golden nuggets that somebody has said that really resonated with me. So I'd like to share your golden nuggets, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. And then if you have more to add, you certainly can. But I usually like to get at least three, and I have 11 from you. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So number one, I, I don't know quite how to say this, but this is what I put down. Develop the philosophy of just watch me. Because I think that's really a good, you know, just to have that written somewhere, just watch me. Because if you think that you're going to tell me I'm not going to do well, just watch me. I love that one, Cindy. Number two, share your vulnerability because most people want to help. I'd have to say 99% of the people want to help. Number three, remember hurdles make us stronger. Number four, be big, bold, and brave, just like Cindy. And you can even put that on a card. I want to be big, bold, and brave, just like Cindy. (laughs) That could be your new tagline. Number five, don't hang up your tapping shoes, tap dancing shoes too soon. I've seen a lot of people do it way too soon, and they're, they're not ready to retire. They're not ready to give it all up. So I'm glad you said that, Cindy. Number six, find your passion, and you will never work another day in your life. Number seven, Design your lifestyle business today. Just sit down with yourself and say, what is it I need and want in a job? What is it that I really, really brings me joy? You know, maybe it's fresh flowers every day. It's something different for all of us. Number eight, listen between the words. That's a gift, Cindy, and that's your gift for sure. Listening is, is an art and it's almost impossible to teach. I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and she was not, she was talking at the same time as me. And so you, but she, she really would credit herself for being such a good listener. And have you ever had anybody talk at the same time as you? Yeah, especially it's, now on Zoom calls. Yes, it's disturbing. <laughs> God. Number nine, ask for help when you need it. And that is a big one because most of us don't. Number 10, find a platform that your clients hang out. And maybe yours are on Facebook, maybe yours are on Instagram, but Cindy's are on LinkedIn and she uses that platform daily. And number 11, be aware of unconscious biases that are out there. I I really wasn't, Cindy, until you just said that. And I would like to do a show on that someday and and give examples of it and, and ways we can counteract that. But those were 11 beautiful golden nuggets. Now I want to ask you, is there anything I missed? No, not a lot. <laughs> I listened. 
You're a good listener. <laughs> good listener. Cindy, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, and really, I, I really know there's people on this call right now from all over the world listening, and there are people out there that need your help. They don't know what to do. They don't even know how to put a resume together any longer to, to make sure that they get their foot in the door. So how would they, how would they get in touch with you? Well, my website is cindyfassler.com, and that's Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, F as in Frank, A-S-S, Sam, Sam, L-E-R.com, or you can email me directly at Cindy, at Cindy, at cindyfassler.com, or you can call me directly at 925-465-0331. I will get back to you within 24 hours. Do you know, I have never heard anybody give their phone number ever. I don't think I've ever heard. I don't think I give my phone number ever. Why not? You want to talk to people. Well, I do, but I've never (laughs) thought of it until just now. I am learning so much from you. I have to now get off the call and listen. I'm going to design my lifestyle. I am going to go walk the dog. I'm going to have a really good time when we hang up. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, Cindy, I can't thank you enough. Your knowledge, your 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 sense of humor, your wonderful personality. I just can't thank you enough for sharing yourself with us today. Well, Patricia, thank you for inviting me. And I would be happy to you know help, help you host a call for a women over 40 and how they can be big, bold, and brave in their job search. Oh, I love that. Oh, Cindy, what a beautiful way to end. Until we meet again, everybody, it's Patricia Noldrain. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success and life and business. Aha, here it is. If you can't share a solution to a problem someone is having, that is true success. Now, maybe these examples might help you. I discovered two major problems that I help solve. I really didn't realize how major they were until I realized no one is teaching this stuff. The first one, of course, goes right back to this podcast. What's my calling? What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, yourgiftisyourniche.com. I already mentioned it earlier in the episode. But finally, I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now, I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share 100 tips that myself and others, other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. Now, what is the problem you solve? Think about it, because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group, it's free. I'd like you to come on to it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called <clears throat> When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.